We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. My name is Patrick Moran. Thank you, as always. For locking in, we are recording this very late on a Monday night. Most of you will be listening to this in audio podcast form sometime, hopefully on Tuesday. But for those who are watching us, whether it's live on YouTube or whether you're watching on video later on, thank you for locking in as always. Appreciate you all. Like I said, this is being recorded late on a Monday night, and I am joined right now by my buddy PK from the Buffalo Sports Collective. What's going on, man? Thank you, first of all, for, for doing this so late on a Monday. We talked about this. Uh, we chatted for a few minutes before we started this show. Good thing we didn't record like around, what do we usually record around? Like when I have you on a Monday, usually around five o'clock, a little before dinner time, usually have you on. I feel like the tone in terms of the Buffalo Sabres, at least, would have been a lot different if we taped this before uh, tonight's game. A 3 1 loss, by the way, to uh, the Montreal Canadiens at home. Anyway, how you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me back. Uh, I think you might have to reconsider having me on these late shows because I'm 0-2 right now. <laughs> 0-2 when we do live after a Sabres game. 0-2 yeah. live. So what are they, 3-4 and four on the season? So that means they're 3-2 and two when I don't have you on. Yeah, maybe you're right, man. Maybe it's time to, to stop having PK from the Buffalo Sports Collective on. But anyway, yeah, we're going to recap this game. Um, some highs, obviously, a lot of lows. Um and then we'll talk some Buffalo Bills as well. I got let, let me start here, okay? Because with the Buffalo Bills, it, we'll get to them shortly. Clearly, there, there's just something that just feels off about this team. And it's been unmistakable over the last three weeks. And I feel like we can't really put our fingers on it right now. Is it the players not executing? Is it the coaching? Is it the game plan? There's just lots of factors with the Bills. Watching the Sabres. And now I don't watch every minute of every period of every game. So I'm going to be upfront and honest about that. But I've watched most of these games this season so far. This just feels like it, it just feels like much like the Bills. Something's really off right now with this team. I mean, this is a high powered offense. We know that. But they're not out there and they're not even, 
in the wins. They're not playing like a high-powered offense right now. What do you think is going on so early in the season? Let's start there. Well, Tage has got one. Tuck's got none. The only big-time goal scorer is Skinner right now. I know Cousins has got two, but Skinner's got three. Tage has been very unlucky, unlucky right now because he's only got, what, uh, one goal on the season. It was a power play one. It was the one timer that he's working on. It's just, they can't get anything offensively to go. And even tonight they had multiple shots, but they're not getting in the, like the danger zones. I think I saw they only had four high danger chances in this one. The rest of them are all perimeter shots. And when you're facing a goalie, I think Jake Allen's a pretty big goalie. They were making it easier for him just shooting it right at his glove side. It's just they're, they were 2-0 and when they had over 30 shots, and I was keeping track of that. They destroyed Canadians in shot totals this one, but it doesn't matter if you're not if you're not going in the dirty areas to try to grind out those goals, you're going to end up with these results, and it definitely is disappointing because they dominated that game. Uh, 37-26 in favor of the Sabres shots on net, Jake Allen, so he, he stopped 36-37 and 37 shots tonight. And by tonight, like I said, a lot of people will be listening to this Tuesday. So I want to remind everyone we are recording this live in the moments following the Sabres game. If you're watching on the video side, hopefully my camera holds up. I don't know what's going on right now. My internet just feels like being a little bit wonky right now. So hopefully it holds up. I'll tell you this. Rob Ray, who, you know, he, he works for the Sabres. Okay, so I don't even like calling him a homer. I get it. You got to be positive when you talk about the team and 99% of the time he is, but that's not really me criticizing him. I'm just telling you what it is after the game. And I don't know if fans who are listening or, or, or watching this right now stuck around for any of the post game, but Rob Ray in the moments that followed the game, who again is usually very complimentary of the team, even when they're playing like shit, actually to a point that it kind of annoys me. But anyway, he said, this is a team right now that needs to, find a way to be more willing to pay the price. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he was talking about paying the price. And that, that's my biggest, as a fan, my biggest takeaway from this game is sure, they pepper Jake Allen with 37 shots. And there were a couple of them that were really good chances and he made good saves when he had to. But all these shots are like perimeter shots. You and I were talking for just a few minutes before and it's like, I kind of feel like the Sabres right now are like the... uh the Golden State Warriors, not the Golden State Warriors that are winning championships either. But what I mean by that, a team that's just hoisting up a bunch of threes. Like it feels like the Sabres right now are settling for a ton of shots from the perimeter. They're getting like cute, making the extra pass. They're not getting the puck to the net. They're not fighting for rebounds. I mean, they got this huge ass line of three guys who are what, like six, five or so with Tage and Cousins and Greenway. And they're passing the puck around and one-timing pucks from 15, 20 feet away. You know what I'm saying? It's like too much perimeter stuff. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not helping. They can't get their power play even set up in the offensive zone to do anything. I mean, I don't know how many more times I can watch that drop pass to try to skate it in the zone. Oh. They intercept it, and it's going back the other way. I mean, I, I, I'm not a hockey. I, I've never played an official hockey game in my life. So I'm sure there's a logical reason for that drop back pass, but every single time, wouldn't you change it up every once in a while? I just, they can't even get set up in their zone. So that's definitely hurting them because it's, it's eliminating a whole special teams element out of their offensive end that they used to be good at last year. I mean, they were 
I mean, one of the better teams on power play, if I remember correctly, I, I, it's been a while since I <laughs> looked back at that, but they're, they're just not getting anything going at power play wise. I mean, the only power play goal and the only goal they scored tonight was what? Seven seconds into the yeah, power play nine, with Jeff Skinner, yeah. just the unbelievable roofed it goal. But other than that, they're just shooting from the perimeter. They're not really setting up inside. And like we said, when you're shooting from the outside, that's fine. But you need somebody on top of the goalie to pick up those big rebounds. That's how uh, uh, Canadians got the goal ahead goal tonight was they put the buck on net. They weren't able to cover, cover it. And the guy just charges the net, scoops it up right past Comrie. I mean, it's, it's just like you said, they're not going to the dirty areas to get those dirty goals that when you're in a goal drought right now where I think they've scored, what, 13 goals in these games so far? you need to get to those dirty areas to put the puck in the net every once in a while, a dirty goal is going to start a run of good times. And it, it's, it stinks to come in to talk about this one after such a great game they had on Saturday to transition this into Monday, right. and just the big letdown of, I mean, I, I was coming in here excited. Like how is it still one, one after two periods and they were just dominating possession. It's just, it just seemed like the only chances Canadians had were odd man rushes the other way. And they only had the puck for what, like 10% of the time they were on the ice. It's just, it's frustrating when you know what they have to do and they're just not doing it. Yeah. You know, so Montreal scored a little less than three minutes into the game. Uh, Justin Barrett, on a rebound, Comrie, who I thought played very well, yep. for the most part, he, he did give up a long rebound, and, and that was, you know, in the net, bam, one nothing. And then you said it. Um, Skinner took a a pass from Cousins on the power play right away, right off a of faceoff, and bam, perfect shot. 1-1 from that moment on until Montreal went up 2-1, which was uh, Brandon Gallagher poked home that rebound um, that Alex Tuck just didn't get to him, and we'll talk about him in just a second. But... From that point where it was 1-1 until Montreal took the lead in the third period, I, I kind of feel the same way. It felt to me like it was going to be inevitable that this offense turned up. And it did, It did, but it just, again, not great chances. They just kept settling, it felt to me, with all these outside shots and just not getting enough pucks, quality pucks, to the net and fighting for, uh, for rebounds. And it's definitely... It's disappointing, and yeah, this offense is just completely, even in the wins for the most part this year, the, the offense has just been really um, out of sync, and I, I I can't put my finger on it because it's not like there's wholesale changes. It's not like they're playing a brand new system. A um, couple players specifically that I want to mention, and I went on Sabres Twitter at the end of the game. You know, when it comes to the Bills, I say whatever the hell I'm going to say, and I really don't give a shit. What people say about it, you know, I say what I feel at the time. I kind of have a little bit more of kitty gloves when it comes to Sabres Twitter because, A, I don't follow the team as intensely as I do the Buffalo Bills. So I don't feel like I'm, I'm not always confident in what I'm saying. So I went on Twitter and I said, hey, Sabres Twitter, is it, uh, is it okay for me to say that Alex Tuck was terrible tonight? And almost universally, everyone agreed. Uh, Chad DiNaminisis from expected Buffalo. He's one of the first to chime in that. Yes, he's, he's playing bad. I've seen a lot of people tweeting that it's not even just tonight that it's been this whole season. I've heard from somebody credible that Alex Tuck is playing a little bit dinged up too right now, but still just a really bad game tonight on both sides of the ice. Like I said, he was um responsible for, for, for handling Brandon Gallagher and he did it on that go ahead goal. And then he also was the one who took the penalty 
that led to Montreal putting the game on ice when um Tanner Pearson just blasted a beautiful uh one timer pass comedy near the end of that power play. But yeah, man, just Alex talked that this is one of your best players, and he's not playing like it, and he's not the only one. But let's start there with it because I mean, this guy's just he's been too good since he became a Buffalo Saber to play the way from what I've seen, the way he's looking out there. Just again, something just I keep going back to this just seems off when it comes yeah, to him, too. Yeah, five games, one point, seven no. shots. It's not that's it. Yeah, yeah that's, I didn't even know it was that bad. Wow, yeah, I mean, he's a minus three, also. If you want to, however much you take credit in that one, but it's it, it doesn't. I think you might be onto something where he might be nursing something because it's, it's not explaining his style right now. Like he's almost unnoticeable on the ice in the offensive zone. You go, oh, he tucks on that line. Wow. Unless he's messing up and you were able to notice him tonight because it was a very bad night for him. I, I wonder if when Benson's fully healthy and I wonder if he's going to be fully healthy for Tuesday's night, if they sub out tuck for him and then you actually know, okay, he's nursing something, but I would assume it's Olafson out again, but it, it's definitely something's not sitting right with him. And then the offense in general, and that top line last year between Skinner Thompson and tuck, it was unbelievable. They were one of the top lines in all of the NHL and they had to break it up because something wasn't working. And you put him down, you match him with uh, Middlestad and Skinner. Middlestad and Skinner look great together. I mean, I, I said that on our, the episode we just recorded not that long ago. I, I really like those two together because Middlestad can set up Skinner in better ways than I thought Tage could because I think, honestly, Middlestad's a better playmaker and a better distributor than Tage Thompson is, and I think that can get Skinner going. T I forgot Tuck was on that line. <laughs> He's not doing anything. He played last year later in the season when, when Tage got hurt, um, Middlestad and Tuck played great together. Yep, yep. And I feel like that was maybe part of the reason why he was quick to go back to them this year. Kind of goes back to something my, my, my buddy Tone Pox was on a show, not yesterday, but the week before. We had a good, pretty good discussion about this. And do you feel like, all right, so the Sabres are three and four right now after seven games, okay? By no means, it's the season's not over, just like with the Bills. By no means is the season over. So let's just be real clear about that. And even if you would have told me, I don't know, what, what's the season been going on for a little more than two weeks now? If you would have told me like two weeks ago that the Sabres would be three and four after seven, I'd be like, eh, okay. But I would have been like, all right, well, then there's a serious goaltending problem. They're just playing really, really shitty defense or something. The last thing I would have expected was the offense to struggle as much as it has. Um, but anyway, going back to the preseason, we talked about, the Sabres' attitude, and, and if you remember the last preseason game when Pittsburgh came in and they beat the shit out of the Sabres, like, they scored seven goals on Devin Levi, and Granado was kind of defensive after the game, more or less, and a couple of players were acting the same, well, Pittsburgh is treating this like it was a playoff game, if, you know, this is preseason, we're getting ready. Like, maybe a team that's still on the come up, it hasn't really proved, I mean, all the potentials there, but they haven't really proved shit, that maybe the intensity should have been ramped up a little more in the preseason going into the regular season, because that Tuck, Skinner, uh, Tate Thompson lineup was so good last year. They didn't really play together in the preseason to the very end. So I don't know, for whatever reason, that line just looked rusty and it didn't last long. Do you think that maybe now looking back that some element, maybe the Sabres not being as intense and, and trying to win and get things right in the preseason might have uh, leaked into the regular season right now, offensively for certain? 
Yeah, I mean, you asked me that question after the home opener, and yeah. I was a little hesitant. Now, what, six games in, I'm, <laughs> I'm more, you know, it, it's more plausible. And you go sure. into it wondering, and I, I think my defense was, hey, they haven't really played with all these lines together. You know, they were working on Benson up in the top line as well and working on driving. We're in a game, this is game six now, and I'm, I'm not blowing the alarm horn. I'm not saying anything's overblown. I did say it last year where you you needed to make a move to go for it because not every year are you going to get these many players on career years. And to repeat what you did last year, you need those players to continue and do exactly what they did last year on career years. Cousins had a career year. Uh, Middlestad, <laughs> uh, Paterka uh, was a rookie coming into this year. Skinner had a career year. Thompson, Tuck. All these guys had career years, and you were expecting them and needing them to do it again coming into this season. And I understand that Quinn, they were expecting high hopes for him on that second line, pairing with Cousins and, and Paterk, and you lost him. But that's just one player. There's a lot of players on this team right now that are underperforming that were kind of expected to step up or continue to build off what they had last year. And the goals have just dried up. And what's shocking is... I've actually been pretty impressed with how the defense has been playing and how the goaltenders have been playing. It, I, like you said, I would never guess that it's the offense that has just dried up completely. 13 goals in six games. It's it's not a great run for a team that was one top three in goal scoring last year. Other than maybe the Calgary game where uh, Levi gave up four goals and he just looked fatigued and sore and hadn't played since then. So there was right. definitely something to that and he's not going to be playing tonight Tuesday night either against Ottawa that's already been uh put out there hopefully he'll be back soon but yeah other than that I don't really put this on goaltending the defense hasn't been amazing but it hasn't been terrible either it's kind of like the Bills like this offense is supposed to be the strength of the football team and it's not and that's kind of how it is with the Sabres and I don't just want to put this all on talk because there's Many forwards who are not getting it done right now. Casey Middlestad's been a little bit off so far, I think, anyway, early this year. In fact, Jordan Greenway's been one of the best forwards so far uh, on this team. I liked what I saw from Paterka tonight. He had some he had some explosions in Peyton Krebs, too. I liked what I saw from them. They looked like they were creating chances. Hate Olofsson on that line. I get why he's in there for right now. But again, going back to the preseason, when you really look back at it, Zach Benson was a highlight, but there was a lot of things that didn't look good in the preseason, and I just feel like it's leaking in. And when it comes to this team, I, I always felt a little bit concerned, PK, because you know all the talk, all the hype, all the praise around the league, you want to buy into it, and we saw lots of glimpses of it last year especially. But again, dude, this is a team that you got to go out and prove it. And yeah. you, you start to wonder, you start to worry, is this a team that maybe, just maybe at least a little bit, Started reading too many headlines and, and believing it a little bit. Like, you know, just like with the Bills, I keep going back to them. Like an on-off switch with the offense, and it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, this is the first year that they've actually came into the season with playoff expectations. Sure. So it's going to hit everybody differently. I'm not saying that's the reason that they – I'm not saying that's the reason they might be gripping their stick a bit tighter than normal. But there's got to be some kind of adjustment just because – 
I mean, it's not like they had a bad game. They're just not finishing. And eventually that's going to come back to haunt you. And it did tonight with only one goal. Again, we're six games in. There's a long season. I think they can write the ship just based on the amount of talent they have. But this early in, only scoring the amount of goals they have, which keep going back to 13 goals in six games, it's not the start of the season you were hoping for. I, I truly do think that the offense is going to figure itself out. And if this offense does be able to figure it out with the goaltending that you're getting, even from Comrie right now, who's had back-to-back very good games, it'll be interesting to see how, I'm assuming UPL plays Tuesday night, It'll be interesting to see how he does on that massive amount of rest, and that's another reason why I hate three goalies, but that's a different story. You know, it'll, be, it'll be very interesting to see what this team looks like if the offense can come around because they're getting good defense, they're getting good goaltending. If the offense can come around, this is a complete team. But again, teams play differently when they finally have expectations on them and some pressure on them, so let's see if they can actually rebound from that. Yeah, a little, little bit worried about that. And by the way, I feel like if Comrie would have played out of his mind tonight, then maybe he comes back again tomorrow. I but I do, I'd i be surprised if it's not going to be UPL. Not that Comrie played bad. I am right. by no means putting this game at all on Comrie. And sure, seven games does not a season make. That said, the, the, the Sabres are in a very tough conference. You don't want to be falling in a hole where you're eight, 10 points out of a playoff spot, 15 games into the season and having to play catch up. So I do feel if there's not already a sense of urgency in that locker room after this game, that there should be, there definitely should be. And this is going to be on Don Granado to get them to start playing with some urgency and fix some of the stuff that ails. And one other player I wanted to mention too, I forgot. I should have said this earlier. Talking about Tuck that I thought stood out in a negative way tonight. And I don't know if this is a season thing, because again, I haven't watched every period of every game. But to me, Owen Power tonight stood out in a very bad way. Whipped on a shot, um, took, a, I think, a bad penalty, got beat on a play that resulted in a goal, uh, the third goal, when they were shorthanded. I just, I, I mean, this is another one overall pick. This is a guy you've signed for a long time now, $8 million a year. By no means am I worried that He's a boss or anything stupid like that. I'm not going to overreact like I do with the Bills here. But tonight, at least anyway, a pretty worrisome performance from uh, from Owen Power. I thought he was terrible against Montreal tonight. Yeah, I mean, even if you don't want to blame Tuck for that penalty that led to the third goal, it was Power who played it terribly in the corner, ended up having to die for yep. it, and that's what made Tuck have to cross-check the guy from behind. Owen Power has been up and down playing defense his whole career so far. And I know it's a young career, so I'm not really digging into it. It takes a while to adjust to the NHL game as a defenseman, but he's been up and that's another reason why I was kind of hoping that they would go out and get a veteran partner for him. And I'm not saying Yoki Hari. I thought Yoki Yoki Hari's played pretty well this season, minus the first game where, you know, we talked about him just letting the guy sneak behind him. I thought he's rebounded very well since then. Mm -hmm. I was just hoping for a better veteran presence next to him that is more defensive reliable. So he doesn't have to be pinpoint perfect all the time. And he could, there, there is somebody that can make up for those, you know, young mistakes that he's going to be making. It's just, I need a first overall pick like him to even out his game a bit more and have less of the negative defensive issues in his own end type of games moving forward. Because 
you mentioned it was the whiff shot. It was the the messed up in the corner. He he didn't slide over fast enough, which Clifton, I don't know what he was doing on the penalty kill there. Why was he going up towards the boards and leaving two guys behind him? That, that was confusing me. I thought that goal was just as much to blame for him as it was the power because he was way out of position. Zemgis Gergensen was right there. It, it didn't make any sense to me. But yeah, power definitely had a rough game. Tuck had a very rough game. It's been, there, there's plenty of, players so far that have just not met expectations in this young season so far. If Benson can return on Tuesday night, does he go on the line? Do you keep the top two lines the same? Do you put Benson with Krebs and, um, and Paterka? That's a very young third line. If you do that. I, I was thinking about that because I know Olsen's on that line. I'd like to see it just because it could be so electric. I don't know what got into Krebs tonight. I don't know what the heck happened, but he was absolutely flying. I think in the first thought, period, yeah. yeah, he made that one move where he ended up in the zone and he put it between his legs. He put it between their lives. He's, he was absolutely buzzing. I I've actually really liked him so far this season. Really no results have come from it and no statistics have backed that up, but he's been flying all over the ice. I liked him when he was with, Zemgis Gergensen and uh, Oposo just because of his play style. But I think he fits better with more offensive players around him because of that electric ability he has. Benson's healthy. I think you got to put him back in the lineup. And I think he's got to take Olsen's spot. I thought Olsen did okay. I mean, he was battling a lot more than he was early in the season. But I still think Benson's potential is much higher than Olsen. So it's... (laughs) As uh, scary as it might be at times, uh, Paterka Krebs Benson line could be that little juice that gets that team fired up. Fun, but fun, but scary. Yeah, for what it's worth, I thought Krebs might have been the best center on the ice for the Sabers uh, tonight. I thought he was better than Tage, and I definitely thought he was better than uh, Middlestad or uh, or Tyson Jost. So anyway, yeah, three and four after seven games with a wrap here on the Sabers, and this was a long home stretch that ends now, and now five of the next seven starting here on Tuesday night around the road. So they got Ottawa and tough games too. Ottawa Tuesday night. You got um, New Jersey Friday night on the road. You got Colorado at home on Sunday afternoon. Uh, and then you got a home and home the following week with, with Philly. So again, three and four is not, you know, cause, you know, don't break glass because of an emergency just yet. But with these with these games coming up here, you, you don't want to fall farther behind. That's where I'm getting to. Um, you don't want to be in a big ass hole in, in the middle of November. And with five of the next seven on the road, we'll see if this team can bounce back quick. They're gonna have to. Otherwise, they're in big trouble very early on. And I hate saying that shit, but that's what it is. I actually love going on the road because for some reason this team plays better on the road. They can't play at home unless they're in the red and black. And I'm True. pretty sure the <laughs> Saturday game versus Colorado, they're in the red and black. So go on a little streak here. You're on the road where you play better. You come home, you're in your red and black and, uh, you know, rattle some of those wins off and climb the ladder out of this uh, dumpster basement dwellers that you're sitting in right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, I am back here with PK from the Buffalo Sports Collective. We just put a wrap on a Monday night Buffalo Sabres home loss to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Buffalo Bills, let's just be real blunt about this, okay? And now it's been, by the time most people are listening to this, it'll have been close to 48 hours since uh, the Bills embarrassingly lost to the New England Patriots. There's no other way to say this. Here's a reality on the show yesterday that I didn't, necessarily know when we started doing the show on Monday that I was going to arrive at this point, but before the show was over, I did. And that's this, uh, PK. I think the reality right now is you can go ahead, at least for the time being, okay? You could take the Bills right off any list of top-tier teams, of elite teams. They don't belong on the same list right now as the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers and, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Hell, even the Miami Dolphins, even though you can make a case that they haven't played nobody and they played two good teams and they've lost twice. But anyway, the Bills ain't on that list right now. I'm not even sure, even though they're only a game back and they've already beaten Miami, I'm not even ready to think about the Bills as a division champion right now. As things stand right now today, the reality for me is I feel like this is a Buffalo Bills team based on what we've seen for the last three weeks that is going to be in a fight to make the postseason. Just to make the playoffs. Forget about winning in the playoffs. I feel like they're going to have a legitimate fight right now to get in the playoffs. They're four and three. And let's be real here. They're a yard away and a really dumb Giants mistake away from being three and four after seven games. But whatever. They won the game. They lost Sunday. They're four and three. And they just pretty much wrapped up for the most part, the easiest part of their schedule. They got Tampa coming up on Thursday. They should be able to handle them. I'm not going to be overconfident. Not after what I've seen these last three weeks, you kind of get that gut feeling right now. If you're being honest with yourself, that 
I never paid attention to Pittsburgh and freaking Cleveland and the Chargers and what these teams are doing, what their records are. Well, guess what, PK? Starting this week, I am. I am because this is a team that is in some trouble right now. Let's just keep shit real. How many, I, I got a quick question for you. How many tweets have you saved since uh, you said, what was it, a couple weeks ago where you said that the Buffalo Bills are not a Super Bowl contending team without defensive losses? How many of those have you saved in your back pocket to bring back? I got a couple. On the road? <laughs> I got a couple. I don't think I was wrong. I don't think I was wrong. And, right. and it wasn't even, I was specific about a reason. Let's talk about that reason. I said, not because I don't think this is a good football team. I said, because they lost Trey White. They lost Matt Milano. They lost Daquan Jones. I said, that's too much to overcome. Okay. They got, they got by against the New York. They didn't get by against London. They lost, or they lost in London to the Jags. Well, two of those injuries happened in that game. They got past the Giants barely at home in prime time. And then against a Patriots team, which by the way, can't emphasize this enough coming into this game, how freaking lousy the New England Patriots have been this entire season. I mean, borderline one of the worst Bill Belichick teams ever bad through the first six games, statistically, especially on offense. And what happened on Sunday? You saw what happens when Daquan Jones, I'll add Oliver out too. You saw what happens when you don't got Daquan Jones, the defensive tackle depth with Tim Settle and Jordan Phillips and Puna Ford. And God, was I wrong about Puna Ford? You saw that. You saw Dorian Williams, who last week, me included, was praising this kid up and down talking about the game film and all the potential to the ceiling, which he still does have. But he played so shitty on Sunday, coverages, missed tackles, he got benched. And then Tyrell Dodson comes in. And Tyrell Dodson, PK, is Tyrell Dodson, okay? We don't even talk about Dane Jackson. The, the corners didn't play that bad. He did whiff on a tackle. Not an easy one to make in the open field. But anyway, just defensive tackle and linebacker alone. Did you not see like one of the biggest drop-offs you've ever seen from the Bills with no Milano and Daquan and what was out there on Sunday? I mean, I, I had asked that question because I had the same you got me statement that you made. I said the exact same thing <laughs> after the Jaguars game, that they weren't Super Bowl contenders because of the defensive players that they lost. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it sucks that I'm right, but it also – kind of feels good that I'm right because of the statements we made where it was like, and and you saw it like I, this was the first official bad week that the defense had and sure. the offense couldn't pull them out. But this was the first week that you could actually see what you could be in store for versus good teams that are still on your schedule moving forward. It's you can't replace Tredavious white, Matt Milano, Daquan Jones, and even lost Ed Oliver for last game this is the defense that you're going to get. So you need your offense to step up and they haven't been able to do it back to back games. And even if we want to toss out the Jaguars game, they haven't been able to do anything from the Jaguars game until the fourth quarter. You're looking at the schedule moving forward after the Bucks game, which is still no gimme right now after what you just saw on, on Sunday and the week before nobody got gimme Cincy. right now. Then you got Cincy. Then you got the jets again, who play you tough every single week and, Zach Wilson, he, he stinks, but that offense is slowly doing some stuff. You got Philly, you got Kansas City, you got Dallas, New England again, you got Miami at the last. This is, we said from the get go that when this schedule came out, the front of the schedule was your easy part. The back half of your schedule was hell. And yeah. now it's even worse hell because of the teams you're facing and what your team looks like. And your, your defense is so depleted right now. It's, 
your defense bailed you out as much as they could in the Giants game. They held them to nine points, even if you want to discredit the first half and, and the, the quote unquote hold in the end zone. They, your offense put up 14 points. Your offense stunk. <laughs> then they come into this week of like, okay, it's New England. You, it's home. They have to get right. Then they put up that slobber knocker. It's just, it, it's, it's almost, it almost brings me back to like the drought years that, you know, nothing can go right whatsoever with this team. And it's just, you're banging your head against the wall, trying to figure out how you can perform against these pathetic teams. Let me pull back the opinions in the takes, our personal opinions and takes that we have. And let's actually for a second here, focus on a simple fact. And if you're watching this on the YouTube side, I have uh, the standings up for the AFC and it's pretty goddamn self-explanatory. Let's just assume for the sake of discussion here, okay, Baltimore, Jacksonville, Kansas City are going to win their divisions. And let's, again, purely for the sake of discussion, I don't think that the AFC East race is over, but let's give it to Miami, okay? Now you're starting to look at wild cards. And these games, you, this isn't the NHL where you play 82 games, man. You play 17 games. These records are starting to matter already. Pittsburgh is four and two. The Cleveland Browns are four and two. You don't think about those teams, but they're both four and two. The Cincinnati Bengals are three and three. And I'm telling you right now, PK, they're going to get their shit together if they haven't already real soon. They sucked early on. They're starting to heat up. Okay. So right there, you got Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincy. Let's just again assuming Miami wins the division. That's four teams and only three playoff wildcard spots. And I'm not even counting the Chargers, who are not out of it, even though they're two and four. They play Buffalo at home. Um, I'm not going to count out, and people might laugh right now. I ain't counting out the New York Jets either. They have been playing good lately. They should have won. They could have beat, beat the Chiefs. They did beat the Bills. They play the Bills tough all the time. And that offense is starting to slowly get better. So again, to me, it's a not it's not a lock that the Bills are making the playoffs. You know, usually the last couple of years, it's like, all right, man, we're, you know, we're playing a bad stretch right now. We're going to get our shit right, and we're going to go into the playoffs. We're going to be playing our best football getting into the playoffs. Well, you better play your best football before the playoffs because if you don't, you might not even get in there. And you brought up the schedule, and I'll pull that up too. Let's look at it. You got Tampa Bay at home Thursday night. Got to win that game. Then... You go to Cincinnati, Sunday night football. You got Denver and the Jets at home. After that, holy shit, dude. At Philly, bye week. At Kansas City, Dallas at home. At the Chargers, you got New England at home. You should smack them on New Year's Eve. And then at Miami to end the season. Let's just say, again, let's let's give them Denver. Let's give them the Jets. Let's give them New England. Let's give them Tampa on Thursday. All four of those games, even without issue. That gets you to eight. You want to get to 10 to get the playoffs. You got to get to 10 probably to get to the playoffs. So at Cincy, at Philly, at Kansas City, Dallas, at Chargers, Miami, at Miami, you better win two of those games or, or tough opponents. You better win at least two of those, what, six? Just to get to 10, man. It's it's not a given, especially the way this football team's playing. They got a lot of shit to fix on both sides of the ball. Defensively, it's personnel. Offensively, it's coaching, it's philosophy. It's a lot of things, man. There's a lot of shit to fix on this team, and they don't have the luxury of, of dicking around and giving away any more L's when you lose against New England. That kind of takes away your ability to go out and have another stinker somewhere else down the road where it doesn't mean anything. 
Yeah, I mean, I was on the show before the Giants game, and we were both saying you have to win these next three games. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at the schedule and going, you're going to have to steal two wins somewhere to get to 11 and make the play. Now you're looking, you need to steal three to get to 11 somewhere. I mean, they're already two and three versus conference opponents. It, mm-hmm. It's it's not good right now. And they're, they're fighting with the Texans who are three and three. They're fighting with the Jets who are three and three. It's just... Yeah, he was going pretty in, good. Yeah, did you think going into the season? I mean, it almost feels like they were thinking that they're they're they didn't stink like uh, like their shit didn't stink. Uh, where mm-hmm. they were going, okay, we can just like coast on through playoffs are given. I mean, I was I was a victim of that also. I was thinking the same exact thing. Where hey, I'm not worried about playoffs. I still think the AFC's in there, even though I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender. I think they're still a playoff team that went out the window. I I'm worried about, you know, this next game versus the Buccaneers. Can they get their offense right? And I haven't seen a glimpse of hope that they can. The only thing that's been going right for them is when they get down so much, they have to play a high up-tempo pace and then they start scoring. But then, you know, if that's what's working, why aren't you doing that earlier in the game? Like, why isn't that sprinkled in somewhere? Hey, okay, we just picked up this first down. Let's hurry up. Let's keep going. Like, where does that go? I mean, I know Josh Allen was not very good on Sunday whatsoever. I know the execution was not very good, but he wasn't getting much help. I know the play calls weren't very good. The coaching staff, the whole offensive philosophy, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know if it's coming from Sean McDermott that's telling Josh Allen, don't run, stay in the pocket. I don't want you to run at all. I, I pulled the stat together for you, and I, I said it on our show. He is on pace right now for 70 rushes for 360 yards. That would be the lowest of his entire career. They have taken the element that makes Josh Allen that special unicorn and said, hey, we're going to make you a pocket-passing quarterback and take any of that extra stuff, any of that threat that you might get hurt away. Don't they understand quarterbacks typically get hurt when they're staying in the pocket and they get blindside hit? It it doesn't make any sense. I don't get why they're trying to be such a balanced offense when it's clearly not working. Well, I can tell you why. And his name is Sean McDermott. And that's pretty, that's getting pretty obvious at this point. A major talking point of talking Buffalo yesterday was Tone Bucks was talking about. There's one person, PK, in this, and I'm piggybacking off what he said. So I don't want to take credit for this, but I believe it fully. There's one person in this organization, in this organization, who has the ability to rein in Josh Allen, to stop him from running the football, to stop these design runs that coaches think are taking a pounding on him. And it ain't Brandon Bean, and it's not even Terry Bagula, and it sure as shit ain't Yes Man Ken Dorsey. It's Sean McDermott. Make no mistake about that. It's Sean McDermott. He is the head coach. Um, today's presser on Monday. Anyway, he had a, I actually wrote the quote down says I'm doing He was asked about being more involved with the offense and stuff like that. says, I'm doing everything that I can as a head coach to make sure that things are the way that I want them and expect them to be across all three phases. I don't want having anything to do with this offense, but it is obvious. This is what he wanted. He wanted, this is a Sean McDermott type of offense balance. They want to run the football more. They don't want Josh Allen running the football. They want to rely on playing good defense, trying to keep the defense off the field and have these long, sustainable drives with this offense. This is not the offense that Brian Dable had when he was a Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator that was more explosive. 
the kind of offense that go out there, bam, three plays, 70 yards, touchdown. You're not seeing any of that shit this year. Now, some plays are there. You talked about Josh Allen missed a throw, dude. Stephon Diggs wide open, beats two guys, 75-yard touchdown if Josh puts it in there. He doesn't. That's on Josh. But the coaching to me is a big problem. And one other thing, too, I wanted to bring up to you. Matt Perino said this. Could agree more on his show. You, Sean McDermott talks about wanting to get up early and making taking the Patriots off the game, making them play catch-up, taking them out of their comfort zone. What better way do you do that than taking a football, starting the game, going down the field, and putting up seven points? That right there solves your, your offensive slow start woes. It, it gets you in a rhythm. So what do the Bills do? They win the toss. What do they do? They freaking defer. The Patriots get the kick, and they go right down the field and score, and it's a brand new game right after that. They're playing with confidence. Matt Perino put this out there, and I thought he's spot on. Why do you not take the football and try to go and score and get up 7 nothing? You know, it's just, I got an issue at this point with the coaching, and Ken Dorsey is the low-hanging fruit, and he deserves a lot of criticism, but I think he deserves criticism more for being a Sean McDermott yes guy, in my opinion anyway, than he does anything else. To me, this is Sean McDermott. His fingerprints are all over this offense, not even just the defense. I feel like his fingerprints are on this offense too right now. I yeah, I mean, everything's piecing together of why, you know, all those rumors about the rift between Dable and McDermott and McDermott wants this 100%. certain way, you're seeing it now. And what I can't understand is your defense is hurt. You just saw exactly what's going to be happening when you face the Kansas Cities and the Phillies and all those top-tier teams when you face them down the road to your defense that he's calling right now. So he wants to limit the amount of time that they're on the field. I get it. In in reality, that makes sense. But these drives aren't working. Like these methodical drives down the field, you're getting drops on third down. You're kicking yourselves. These The penalties are killing you. And you're not scoring on those long, you know, 10, 15 play drives. Right. So, you might be keeping your defense defense on the sidelines and you know limiting their offensive ability where you're keeping you know Mac Jones on the side you're keeping Tyrod Taylor on the side and you're trying to keep Jalen Hurts down the road on the sidelines and all that kind of stuff but if your offense isn't putting up points it doesn't matter and you're taking own your own time away from your offense why wouldn't you try to go up early and you know, take that seven to nothing lead, take that 10 nothing lead, because then you're going to adjust how their offense plays. And then you can be more aggressive because you know, okay, now this is a passing situation. Let's blitz. Hey, this is going to be a passing situation. Let's try to turn over the ball here. It's just, it seems like he is so gung ho on this balanced offense and, you know, kicking the clock away. And, Complimentary yes, football. Yeah. He's so into that where if your offense was scoring and your offense looked good, that would work perfectly. But right now, your offense isn't doing anything that would make sense for this to work. I just don't understand why something hasn't been adjusted after three straight weeks of this stuff where it's just like, hey, try to get that lead. Make them try to play. That's what happened in the Miami game, and Miami couldn't catch up, and you were getting turnovers, and you were making them play to your style. And I understand they were still healthy back then on defense. I, I get that. But that's the style of offense you need moving forward because your defense is so hurt, and you saw exactly what's going to happen to when you have faced good offenses down the road. It's just go up early, high-tempo offense early, get up early, and you control what they do. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more there, buddy. Um, 
When it comes to McDermott, too, another thing I can't stand right now, uh, I kind of use their quotes if you're watching on the video side. The term I'm hearing a lot now, complimentary football. Literally, it's in the title of today's podcast because complimentary football is stupid. Okay, I'm just going to throw that out there. But to me, for somebody like Sean McDermott who likes, he takes, he makes players so accountable publicly. And I'm not hearing enough about the coaching being held accountable. When you're constantly saying it's the execution that's not there. That means you're saying the players ain't making the plays. He even called, which in fairness, he maybe he deserves criticism with Tyler Bass missing that 42-yard field goal. Found that a little bit surprising that, that Sean McDermott mentioned that specifically and by name. That's calling a player out. Um, I don't know. I feel like somebody's game plan should be called out. The ability to not run Josh Allen at all, which he did run one to actually on, on an RPO, which they do that a lot more. They got to change some shit up, dude. That's what it comes down to. I will say this. We could be negative all night, and we kind of I know we're sounding like we are because there's a lot to be negative about. That said, I am still not ready to say that this team is completely done, even though I said it a couple of weeks ago, and I feel like I was, was smart by saying that now because Brandon Bean can still go out and he can still add some talent to this roster. And I do think what ails them on the offensive side of the ball is certainly fixable. I truly do. It's going to be a question of Sean McDermott kind of letting things go and letting this offense be what it can be or what is what I think anyway and what you and a lot of other people think it's meant to be. And it's not all coaching. We talked about Josh missing throws. Gabe Davis has one catch for six yards. I don't know what that is. Is that him not separating? Is that him not getting open? Is that the coach is not calling plays for him, but your second wide receiver should have more than one catch for six yards. Um, we saw some good things going forward. Dalton Kincaid had a big game, and he might be in line for many more of them because Dawson Knox is having surgery on his wrist. He's going to be gone. No timetable set. Who knows? He might be done for the season. Quite frankly, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I said I couldn't be more done with him than after he, when he dropped that fourth down pass on Sunday, I wish him well. I don't wish any, you know, illness or, or injury to any player ever. But I think the Bills, this might be a blessing in disguise on the football field, getting Dalton Kincaid out there more. James Cook was a weapon in the passing game. That didn't happen the week before against the Giants. He literally didn't have a target in that game. So there's positives there to be had. You know, it's not just the Stefan Diggs or Bust show um, from what we saw in the second half. But you can't go first half. You can't have 10 points and three first halves combined. That cannot happen going forward, or you ain't going to be a team that's going to be thinking about the playoffs. I'm going to tell you that right now. Simple as that. I, I pretty much said the same thing. I'm, I'm interested to see if they're more willing to get away from the 12 personnel and go back to the 11 personnel. And if that happens, I I truly, truly hope, because I, I, I said it before the season started, that if the, if the Buffalo Bills are going to win the Super Bowl, that this player is going to play a pivotal role in it. Deontay Hardy needs to be on the field way more often sure. than he was. I What was it, 19 snaps or something like that mm -hmm. last game? The move he pulled off <laughs> after that reception was Make unbelievable. You guys miss, yeah. He's yeah. a true weapon, and they're not using him. That's why I'm a little hesitant for Brandon Bean to make any moves on the offensive end because they brought in all these players and they're not using them what they brought them in for. Sherfield not doing anything. You, you finally use Kincaid after, what, six weeks. 
uh, Hardy can't see the field. Davis hasn't been doing much. It's just, I, I don't understand. That's I, I think I said it like two or three shows ago on our show. And Phil asked me, if they were going to make a move, what would you like them to do? And I said, if you're going to make a move, I think it has to be the defensive side of the ball because they're not using the pieces they brought in on the offensive side of the ball. So why would you bring in more pieces just to crowd the room up even more? Like Jerry Judy's name's out there. If he comes here, they're not going to use him right. DeAndre Hopkins comes here. They're not going to use him right because I haven't seen it this year that they use the offensive weapons that they brought in correctly. So honestly, if you're going to bring somebody in, bring back an interior defensive uh, lineman or bring in a, a linebacker to replace Dorian Williams, bring in somebody that's going to be a replacement over what you have right now to at least get you by in the defensive end because your offense isn't doing anything right now. Again, I think they can. It's just some people have to reflect in the mirror and look at themselves and say, Hey, I got to put my pride aside. And I'm talking to one person directly. I got to put my pride aside and realize, Hey, this isn't working. I need to adjust. And he has done it in the past. So I'm hoping Sean can look in the mirror tonight or this week before Thursday and go, Hey, I'm completely wrong. Dable was completely right. I have to refocus this offense and go back to this high flying offense and get these points because points win you games. Defense is not going to be winning you games. We just saw the Super Bowl last year. What was it? Both teams over 30 points. You need to score points to win in this league. And so far, they can't do it. I want to point out, I actually want to read one comment. Uh, Josh Allen is the next John Elway. He commented, he said, nobody wants to admit Morris is better than Knox. You can get a blocking tight end anywhere. First of all, that's bullshit and wrong, my guy, because I quite literally on Twitter said during the game on Sunday, that if Quentin Morris is good to go and they're going to stick with 12 personnel, I'm ready to see Quentin Morris and Kincaid as the two tight ends out there over Dawson Knox. I hope, now if they're going to run some 12 personnel looks with Quentin Morris, fine. I don't hate Quentin Morris. But yeah, I'm ready to see three wide receiver slots or sets. Deontay Hardy is starting to do some good things, like you said. Kalisha Kerr also had four catches for 40 yards on Sunday and Foxborough as well. I feel, and I know this is going to be an unpopular opinion because I know everyone says if you make a trade, you want to get more weapons and you're going to have to outscore everybody to win a Super Bowl. I get that. It's not that I disagree with that. It's just I continue to feel that it's there. I feel like the raw, it's there. Maybe if you could go out here, sure, if DeAndre Hopkins falls into your lap and you can upgrade over Gabe Davis in that spot, you know, then you'd be an idiot to not do that. Don't think that's going to happen. If the Bills were really serious about landing DeAndre, he wanted to come here. That would have happened months ago. So I don't believe in that. But I'm just saying, if the right guy falls into your lap over Gabe Davis, okay. But aside from that, I'm good with Cook. I love Kincaid. I'm good with Hardy. I'm good with Shakir. I like Trent Sherfield. There's enough weapons on this offense. I agree, man. It's about philosophy and, and being more aggressive in your play calling and being more unpredictable in your play calling. I just feel like this is such an easy team to defend right now. And if Josh Allen's not doing superhuman things to make these plays, you know, this is going to be an offense that's not going to have success as things stand right now. So still time, definitely worried. I, if Brandon Bean is going to make a trade, please be in a defensive tackle because these defensive tackles are not good enough. Now, if Ed Oliver plays on Sunday, maybe you can get by with Settle and, and Phillips platooning more and Puna Ford getting a few snaps in there. God, I was so wrong about Puna Ford, man. I expected big things from this guy. Now I get why he might've been sitting around to June. Maybe Seattle knew more than, than Buffalo did because he's just giving them zero. But anyway, if you got Ed, 
Maybe you can get by with a rotation of those three guys. But, you know, Ed's got an injury of, uh, of getting banged up and dinged up. And you saw it. It is only going to get a lot worse. You cannot be that weak in the middle of the defensive line. As much as I hate Milano not being there, and I don't like Dodson or Williams, I'll live with that. But you, can, if you're weak, dead smack in the middle of your defense, you're going to get you're going to get bullied, man. And they got bullied. They got bullied against the shitty ass Patriots. Yeah, I mean, seeing Mac Jones go 75 yards in under two minutes, it uh, it hurt. That was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I never expected that. You made. Hey, I'm a pessimist, dude, by nature. Okay, I'm like, I don't know how you are, but I'm like. Buffalo sports and being old and being around in my whole life has taught me, here we go again, what's going to happen? But when the Bills went up and got the two-point conversion, I said, worst case, New England might drive down and have a shot at a field goal. Worst case, never in my wildest dreams that I think they would effortlessly, and that's what it was, effortlessly go 75 yards and win the game. That's crazy. Kind of goes to my last point that I wanted to make to you, though. An underrated aspect of this team that stinks. It's been a problem all year. Even when the defense has played good. The tackling. Not good. Jordan Phillips whipped on that screen. That led to the 30-yard gain on first down, which really got things going for the Patriots. Um, I looked it up at PFF. Four Bills had a tackling grade of under 30, and under 30 is about as bad as you can do in the NFL. Jordan Phillips, 22.9. Here's a name that's going to disturb you because he was terrible on Sunday, and I love him. Greg Rizzo only had a 23 tackling grade. He did nothing on Sunday. Micah Hyde, 29.1, and then Dorian Williams with a 30. Puna Ford wasn't much better, 35.7. This has been the Bills' Achilles heel for a while, and it reared its ugly ass head. The Bills had a horrible time tackling anybody on Sunday. You notice that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's been a issue all season long, but because there's been so many other injuries and oh, so many other things, it hasn't been a huge talking point. But if you go back and watch, there have been a lot of missed tackles from this defense. And again, I'm trying not to be so negative against this defense just because, I mean, they do have the built-in excuse of all these players are injured and you do need somebody to step up. And this was their worst game of the year so far. And I completely understand all that stuff. The offense needs to do better. But the basic thing on defense is making sure you make those tackles and they haven't been able to do it all season long. And it was even more exploited in this game because the one big time missed tackle from Jordan Phillips ended up being the reason that Mac Jones was able to go 75 yards. Because as soon as Stevenson broke that off, I'm sitting there and my wife's next to me. I'm like, they're going to lose this game. They're definitely going to lose this game. Max Jones is going to pull this off. And then it got down. And I'm like, okay, maybe they can pull this out. They did it against the Giants somehow. You know, Giants didn't end up scoring when we. it was the Giants. I was like, okay, they're going to lose this game too. And they were able to pull that out. I mean, if you want to question the, the call in the end zone on Taron Johnson, whatever. But I was like, they're going to lose this game. And it ended up happening. It's just the the basic premise of playing defense is – you see the ball, go tackle the guy with the ball. And they haven't been able to do that. It's It seems like you can also attribute that to coaching because that's the pinpoint of the offseason. What you're supposed to be doing is, you know, being sound tacklers. And they just haven't been able to do that all season long. And that's a big reason why. I mean, if they were tackling well, this defense would 
be, I would have a little bit more confidence in it, but it's been bad all year long. And now you're bringing in more subs and you're bringing in a rookie like Dorian Williams, who I'm still high on. But again, it's a third round rookie that you're relying on to take over for an all pro. They need to be better at tackling and getting off the field on defense. I completely agree with that. I, I completely agree with this. Defense hasn't been able to step up and they haven't been able to get off the field. Completely agree. But this offense has to do something. But yeah, the tackling has just been putrid. One last player I wanted to mention specifically because I get it to an extent. But Vaughn Miller, six snaps. He, um, look, I, I don't know. I, I can't explain it, man. I'm on in the locker room and I, I don't know. It just seems like he's in preseason mode right now. And these are regular season games that matter. He only played six snaps this game, but I mean, he hasn't even come close to making a play now. And what, he's been back for, for, for three games now, I think it is? Yeah, yeah three games. Yep. He's, yeah, he's been back for three games. Not even, at some point, you got to wrap him up. But as things stand right now, I'm thinking in my mind, you know, it's the fourth quarter. And we did play in the Giants game. And this is a situation I'm talking about. It's the fourth quarter. And you're up a score. And you want somebody to close it out with a defensive play. Is he one of the best three or four defensive ends on this roster as things stand right now? I don't know that he is. Like I want Leonard Floyd and Greg Rizzo out there rushing the passer at the end. I mean, I want the Vaughn Miller that we that we want to see, but that ain't the Vaughn Miller that we're seeing right now. And I'm starting to wonder if we're going to see that at all. And do they have the luxury of letting this guy play 15, 20 snaps if he's not going to do anything? Yeah, I mean, you got the 20 snaps in the Jaguars game. You got 27 versus the Giants, and then only six in this one. Yeah. Is there something going on? With not him? in the second like, half. Not yeah. not in the second half. Yeah, yeah is, not in the second half in London either. Is there something going? Like, is he? Did he tweak something? Is he that, like not fully good to go? Because if he's not, why did you pull him off the pup already? Like, I wonder what happened. Like, I won. I wonder. Yeah, it's it, you hit the nail on the head. Fourth, this is the fourth quarter. They're going down for a drive. You need somebody to make a play. He's making the money to make the play. He's done it in the past. What is the issue that can't get him on the field to do that? At this point, I want Kingsley Jonathan on the field over him. I want like one snap. AJ, yeah. Like what is going on with him? Like if he's not fully healthy, why is he even dressing? Like I don't get it at this point. I, I Look, if he was only playing five, six, 10 snaps a game, I, I would understand it's a process. You're ramping him up some. But how do you go from playing 20-something one week to going down to six? I feel like it should be the other way, right? Like if he played six against the Giants and only 20 against the Patriots, it'd be like, oh, okay, they're starting, you know, they're progressing. But he went backwards. And in a game where they needed a stop in the fourth quarter, and he's not out there to even give them an opportunity. So, yeah, I wonder if there's a little something going on maybe that we're not completely privy to. I think maybe that might be something worth watching to see if Vaughn Miller dresses for the game on Thursday. On Monday's official practice report, not a real practice, a walkthrough, but it was a DNP, but it was vet rest. So, you know, they're not designating an injury with him um, right now. As we wrap up and get out of here, PK, I, look, I, I do believe in the talent of this football team. It hasn't went away. I said before the season, I thought this team on paper was better than last year's team. I still feel that way. You know, I hear a lot of people, optimistic people, there's nothing wrong with being optimistic. Maybe I'm too hard on people that are optimistic. Maybe that's a better way to live life, I guess, than to expect the bottom to keep falling out. So good on you. But people are saying 
Remember that it was the Tampa game in 2021, that second half where they were playing like shit for a stretch. They lost that game in overtime, but they stepped up and they, and from that moment on, they were a completely different football team. Can that happen again? It absolutely can. But what I don't like about this year compared to this and this, I'm going to end it by emphasizing this hammering home one more time. 2021, they had an offensive coordinator who I believe, and based on the interaction that we've seen from them, I believe the offensive coordinator would tell the head coach to go fuck himself. This is the calls that I'm I'm running. This offense is my offense, and we're going to run the ball, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. I don't feel Ken Dorsey's that guy with Sean McDermott right now. That's what it comes down to for me. So ultimately, at the end of the day, if the Bills are not successful and they don't turn shit around, to me, um, it's Sean McDermott. I keep going back to that. It's Sean McDermott. It's Sean McDermott. Is Sean McDermott. I think he's got this this way, you know, my way or the highway kind of uh, mindset with this football team. And it's not going to work. If you want this Bills offense to be good enough to win a championship, it's not going to be what you've seen for the last few weeks. And it's not just dumb luck. It's not guys tripping over somebody's feet falling down. It's not a bad throw here or a bad throw there. We all know it's more than that. So Sean McDermott has got to look in the mirror. You said it, and you're right. Got to look in the mirror. And he's got to give the keys to to Josh, Ken Dorsey, whoever it may be, and just worry about the defense and managing the team overall. Get your goddamn hands off the offense is basically what I'm saying here, PK. Yeah, I mean, uh, the I'm so fired up. The Jeez. the biggest thing that they can do to shut up people like you and I is to go out and just blow the doors off of the Buccaneers on Thursday, because if the offense comes out and looks completely right, like they fixed everything, Josh is running. Stefan Diggs is going for, you know, 220. Davis is involved. Hardy's on the field. Kincaid's getting the ball. They do that. They can shut me up for a week, but I, I just don't have the confidence that again, they have all the pieces, all the pieces on the off. The, this offense is talented enough to, you know, make up for the deficiencies and the weaknesses on the def- defensive end. Now, it's just we haven't seen it yet, and we don't have the trust in the people that are making the decisions to, hey, green light it and go. And I remember you had – I'm not trying to extend this any further. I remember you had me on right when they extended Sean McDermott, and you were asking if it was the right decision, and I want to extend Brandon Bean. I'm a little hesitant on Sean McDermott because he hasn't gotten over the hump yet. Everybody else, yeah. the longer tenured quarter, uh, uh, head coaches, have won that – and goal, the championship. He has yet to do it yet. And I'm not saying that they might have extended him too, you know, too early because he still had, what, a year or two left on his contract? Uh, it's coming back to bite him now because I think he has his hands in too many cookie jars and is, his philosophy on defense is now fully impacting the offense and it's not looking good. It's, it's like Mike McCarthy. Hey, your offense is scoring too much. It's hurting my defense pull back and you saw what's happening to the Cowboys now and it's happening to the Bills as well. I'm aggressively nasty this week in part because there are still people out there, content creators, media, many of them who I have the absolute utmost respect for and have a much better, clearer, level-headed, even keel mindset than I do, admittedly, but they're going to throw EPAs and DVOAs and all this shit that suggests that the Bills are still a very good offense. And my old-ass naked eyes watch a team play in the first half three straight weeks and say, eh, no, they're not. 
No, they're not. I don't think Thursday's game is going to tell us much either. I don't think they're going to fix much. Just win the goddamn game. That's all I care about. Because even if they win 50 to nothing, see, this is where I, I disagree with you a little bit. I don't care if they win 50 nothing. I ain't going to be impressed with them. I'm going to be impressed if they go out and they beat Cincinnati 10 days after that. And one other last thing, too, to watch for, because they do have a 10-day window before that game. If Brandon Bean with Halloween being the trade deadline, if there's going to be a move or moves to be made, it's going to come after this Tampa game. Philly made a big move today. They got a good safety from Tennessee. Got to do something, man. This is, this defense is just going to be too shorthanded to beat Jalen Hurts and Pat Mahomes and Joe Burrow, maybe even Dak Prescott or Justin Herbert as things stand right now, unless your offense is going to go out there and score 30 to 35 points a game, which they can. But now with Sean McDermott running the show, shit ain't going to happen. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna I couldn't say it better myself. I got nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all fired up, dude. All right, we're, we're going to put a wrap on this. Again, thank you very much for, for coming on so late on a Monday night. This I knew this was going to happen, too. We start talking Sabres. I'm semi-level-headed about that, and then I get all fired up uh, about the Bills. But make sure you check out, everybody, the Buffalo Sports Collective. They're dropping their shows for right now, anyway, on Wednesdays. Him and Phil, they do a really good job. Bills, Sabres, and especially when the Buffalo Bandits kick off, that's when you're really going to get your money's worth um, from these guys. So make sure you go check them out. Thanks, buddy. This was good to have you. A little bit therapeutic. Not a lot, but a little bit, man. Good to have you out with me. Yeah, I'm going to have to go outside before I go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I'll be back with a new show, uh, actually, tomorrow, breaking down uh, the NFL coaches All-22 film and PFF grades analysis. Talk to you then. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.